0: At some point in the middle of my, they use my master's studies, one of my professors said, Professor Choi, she said, you know, have you ever thought of doing a PhD? Like, I think you can do that. <laughs> and it was so funny because, you know, the year before I got accepted, but then I did not get the funding. But then I thought more about it and I always had that passion. And, I, and then I had the internship, I was ready to go into the workforce. So I didn't want to go back and be a student for another five years and live the PhD student life. Um, So I decided to do it part-time and that's why it took me a very long time, but I was working full-time. I was taking one class at a time and then I started doing my research. I got married, I had two kids through this whole journey (laughs) and after my second child was born, a month later, I finally defended my my dissertation. (laughs)
1: From Cobalt at Home, this is Humans of Infosec, a show about real people, their work, and its impact on the information security industry. My good friend, Dr. Ksenia Peguero is here with us today. I am so excited. Ksenia, welcome to our podcast.
0: Hello, Caroline, it's my pleasure to be here.
1: So Ksenia today is a senior research engineer within the Synopsys Software Integrity Group. She has nine years of experience in application security and five years in software development. She focuses her research on static analysis, JavaScript security, frameworks, and technologies. Before diving into research, Ksenia had a consultant career in a variety of software security practices, including pen testing, threat modeling, code review, static analysis, tool design, customization, and deployment. Over the years, she has worked for clients in financial services, entertainment, telecom, energy, and enterprise security. Throughout her journey, she has established and evolved secure coding guidance for many firms, and she has developed and delivered numerous software security training sessions. Um, Ksenia, I also understand that you recently completed your PhD.
0: Congratulations, which is why I get to call you Dr. Pagero. Thank you, yes. I just defended my thesis in January and will be graduating in May.
1: Incredible, incredible. Um, I have lots of questions that I want to ask you about your PhD, but I would like to start at the beginning. Ksenia, can you tell me about yourself as a young person?
0: Um, so I will start as a very young person. So in like middle school, um, I loved math, but I was in a school that has, that had um Inclination to for languages, so I actually started. So I'm I'm from Russia originally, and I actually started learning English when I was eight years old. But um, I love math, and I always participated in different school contests on uh, math. They, they were called Olympiads in Russia, and it's a funny story, but. As I was winning them for my school and then I went on to municipal contests and I was kind of placing really high, the principals of other schools, kind of like uh, magnet schools, analogy of magnet schools with sciences and maths, would call my mother and ask her to transfer me to a math school. And she would say no. And she would say no because math is not for girls. And she would say,
1: wow.
0: Yeah. Her, her phrase was, we do not need Sofia Kovalevskaya. And Sofia Kovalevskaya is a Russian mathematician from the 19th century. She was a first woman who obtained a doctor in mathematics. You know, she had made contributions to differential analysis, et cetera, et cetera. she was, she was a pioneer math female, you know, scientist. But yeah, math is not for girls. So you should study English. Um, So that's what I did. Wow. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Um, But later in the 10th, 11th grade, as equivalent of high school, I started taking computer science. And a school in Russia, you don't have as many electives. Everything is preset and you just take all the classes as everybody else. Um and so for a, somebody who w- had more of like an English um inclination computer science came very late but when I started doing it I absolutely loved it and you know I was very good at it and luckily when I was choosing college my mom said you know what you can choose whatever you want In <laughs> <And Josh>, general <laughs> she, she's pretty authoritarian as, as you could guess um but at that time to- time she said, you know, it's it's your life and you can choose what you want. So as I was looking for different colleges in my hometown in Siberia, because uh, I, I wasn't even entertaining an idea of going studying in a different city, it, it's less common to do in Russia. Um, there is a pedagogical university that had a computer science and English language degree. So again, schools are different. Uh, as universities are different. Where when you apply for a university, you apply for a specific major that is kind of chosen already. You cannot just apply and then switch major. It's not as flexible, and you cannot choose a minor. Everything is preset. So when I saw that computer science and English language, I was like, okay, well that that'll do. That'll keep my mom happy. And I mean, I, by then I studied English for eight years, and I didn't want to lose that. So I ended up studying to be a teacher of computer science and English language.
1: Wow. So actually, I am
0: curious to understand
1: your perspective on where your mom was coming from. Um, to some extent, I can relate. Um, my story is that my parents are Chinese immigrants to the United States. And as a young girl, as a baby... I actually was beginning to speak Chinese, Cantonese specifically, and I began to have a little bit of trouble between speaking Cantonese and English. And because my parents really wanted me to be successful in America, my sister and I, they only spoke English to us. And it is such a bummer to me, actually, that today I only speak English, but I know that my parents did this on purpose with the best of intentions. And so I'm curious to understand what are your thoughts on why your mother was so passionate about you becoming a master at the English language?
0: I think um it may be coming from, you know, in the Soviet Union, math and science were very important. But then, you know, we lived through the collapse of the Soviet Union in the 90s. And a lot of people who had engineering degrees and technical degrees were out of jobs because, you know, factories closed, because there was no financing of uh, institutions, of research institutions. And a lot of people with, you know, doctorate degrees or higher engineering degrees ended up being salespeople or, you know, I don't know, cleaning people, like whatever job they could find. So she didn't think that a technical career um will be beneficial. And also, you know, she knew that women uh it's it's hard to be a woman in a technical career in technical field. Yeah. So yeah, I think her her you know, of course she wanted the best for me. And so she thought that knowing the English language could open the doors that other sciences would not. And and you know, partially, like she was right. That's why I was able to immigrate to the United States and that's why I'm speaking English so well. Partially, that yes. that's her yeah. Yes, absolutely.
1: You know, um, Ksenia, we've known each other for years now, and we're f- I'm fortunate to be connected with you on social media. And so what I get to do is I get to see photos of you and your family, including photos of you and your mom. And so it's actually so nice for me in this moment to be picturing you and your mom uh, when you get to see each other uh, and be together. So it's it's really neat. Thank you so much for sharing that story with us. Sure. So you study computer science and English, and it sounds like a little bit with the twist that maybe your projected career would be to teach these subjects. How does that then kind of evolve? Um, Anyone looking at your LinkedIn profile can see that you, in fact, went into software development.
0: Yeah, so I... As, uh, when I was doing my studies in Russia, I did a one-year exchange program, and I went to the United States, uh, which was sponsored by the U.S. government. And that kind of opened the world for me, if really, at, at age of 19, to go and live in a different country for two semesters. That was absolutely amazing. And I took computer science courses here in the United States, and I kind of loved it even more. And when I came back to Russia, I found a job, part-time job. I was actually a full-time job on top of full-time studies, but that's what you can do when (laughs) when you're super young. And I um, started as a software developer in a small game company uh, back in Siberia doing like outsourcing games. And I loved that. And then I also had a job at some point uh, teaching computer science at an after-school program. And teaching was fun, it was very hard, and I just realized I can make more money, you know, coding, <laughs> and it seemed to me less stressful. So I just saw more opportunities in software engineering. And I finished my degree as a teacher of computer science, but then when I continued my studies, I decided to go into just software engineering.
1: That's so cool. Ksenia, what do you like about computer science?
0: Well, like right now or when I was making those choices? (laughs) Both, both, because I I will admit like
1: I studied computer science in school and it was not for me. I did not think it was fun. I did not find it to be, you know, interesting. And so to hear about the passion that you discovered for it as a young person. I think that's fantastic. And I'd love to hear about both, actually. You know, what did you love about it at that time as you were discovering it and starting out? Uh, and how has that changed over time? And what do you think about it today?
0: So when I was discovering it, what I loved about it is the immediate result. When you, when you write a program, and I was writing in Pascal, and it, you know, runs and count and execute, calculate something, and you get the answer immediately. Then that my first computer science or engineering job was as a game developer. I love developing games because it is so quick and instantaneous to see the result. You know, you write some code and you see an object that starts moving on your screen and like, it's amazing. So that's what I really like. It's, It's a, yeah, you see the results very quickly. And today, I'm still passionate about it because it's everywhere. So any industry you take there will be software involved and it controls so much of our lives. And of course now I'm doing research in security and kind of work in security industry and again securing all those different aspects of our lives is so important and that's what you know makes me open my laptop every morning.
1: Very cool. So, Ksenia, you started your career as a software developer, perhaps a decade or so ago, you kind of transitioned from software development to security, specifically consulting. How did that opportunity present itself? And what did you
0: think about as you were making that decision? So... I was doing my master's degree here in the United States after I finished my school in Russia. And I just went to a, you know, career fair at the university and applied to a bunch of places and uh, looking for an internship. So I wasn't looking specifically for anything security and I got a job offer with the security internship. And I was like, Oh, sure. You know, why not? I before then I took maybe one security course. I actually didn't know much about security at all. And it was funny that um, the hiring manager who hired me, I got to ask him maybe five years later when I was you know, still working at the same company, at Digital, uh, Rob Hines, you probably remember him, and I asked him, why did you even hire me? I knew nothing about security. I learned everything on the job. And he said that the experience that I had, developer experience, was much more important than security knowledge um, that you could learn. Like you can learn security on the job, but knowing how the code runs, how to write the code, how the program executes, that is something that a developer would know. So, and I was, as I was starting to learn those things on the job, I absolutely loved it.
1: That's so cool. I, I know Rob, I adore Rob you know, and now I find myself sort of mentally taken to the sigital offices in Sterling, Virginia. You know, there is a, a memory actually of you, Ksenia, that I'll never forget. Um, so I had my first kid nearly six years ago and I would travel to the sigital office and as a breastfeeding mother... I was pumping on the road. And at this point in time, uh, the office was not set up with a mother's room. And I had the type of pump that you have to plug into a wall. So I remember one morning being in the office in sort of the ladies' restroom, just like standing in front of the mirror, pumping. uh, And, you know, women would walk in. uh, And I think when I saw you one of those mornings... Uh, Perhaps you'd never seen, you know, a a
0: pumping setup before. Um, That I remember that. I remember (laughs) exactly that moment. And you're right. I've never seen that before. And I never had either. I think it's
1: actually a bit of a strange thing in our modern society that the sight of a woman uh, pumping is so foreign, you know, even to... Women of childbearing age, such as you and I, um, and so anyway, it's just it's just fun to kind of recall. And so now I actually am talking with you, and you are on parental leave, um, at, shortly after the birth of your second child.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: And so, so those are the
0: things that I do on parental leave, you know, doing my research on PhD and <laughs> recording podcasts on security it's absolutely incredible.
1: It's absolutely incredible. And, um, you know, as a brief aside, because I think that this podcast, yes, it's about security career, but I think that one cannot separate career from life. And I think that for many people, family is a big part of life. Um, I would love if you would consider sharing with our listeners, how you met your husband.
0: Oh, yes. Uh, I mentioned that I was doing my studies, my, my master's degree here in the United States. And I did the, I had an internship with Cigital. uh Actually, I, I worked for a year with them. And then due to my uh, visa requirements, I had to go back to Russia. And then I had, I only could come back after two years. So two and a half years later, I come back. And I was, I flew into the, in the States on Thanksgiving Day. And then the day after... I went to see my friends from ballroom dancing. So both my husband and I do ballroom dancing and that's where I met him. It was just a, a get together with somebody's birthday. It was just a get together. And that's where we met. Um, but then I continued doing dancing here in the United States. He was dancing as well. Eventually we became uh, dance partners and then not just dance partners, but life partners. <laughs>
1: I love it. It's so incredible. Um, I've been able to see so many photos of you and your husband and also videos of you dancing. Um, and it's just incredible, you know, that any one of us, there are all these different aspects to our lives. You know, you are a doctor, you are a researcher, you are a mother, you are a dancer. Uh, and I'm, I'm just so happy to to have you as a guest on the podcast and to be spotlighting all of these different aspects of your life. Thank you. You know, Ksenia, I wonder if there are sort of any, you've shared with us a few Reflections on sort of your experiences in Russia and the United States. Um, some things like it seems as though uh, at a university level, when you choose a degree in Russia, it seems like it's a bit more structured than it is sometimes in the United States. I wonder if there are any other reflections that you'd like to share with our listeners about your experiences, sort of between these two countries.
0: Um. Sure. So I would like to tell kind of one story how I was choosing my uh, postgraduate studies. So, after I finished studying in Russia, I wanted to continue and do a, a similar to a doctorate degree, but in Russia it, it's just called differently, uh, and maybe it's a, bit, a little bit fewer, year. it takes a little bit fewer years, <clears throat> but anyway, I went to a technical university in my city for an informational, informational interview to talk, I think it was a dean or maybe just one of the professors that you know. I wanted to apply and how things are there. So, and because I wanted, I did not have a plan to immigrate to the United States. I wanted to stay in Russia. I wanted to get my degree. I wanted to make my country great. Um, but things changed after that. Uh, but so I went there. And, um, you know, told this person about my previous studies that I studied abroad, that, you know, I had uh, straight A student have, you know, have a good experience. I worked, I had, you know, work experience before. And this guy said, why do you think you would, you will, I would accept you? I have enough boys accept, uh, applying for a PhD. Wow. Oh my goodness. And. One of the reasons, I mean, he, you know, he was very blunt and I'm kind of help, grateful that I didn't waste my time applying and then get, getting rejected. But one of the reasons why he would do that, and I'm sure he's not the only professor who would do this, is that um, military is required for any male ages 18 to 28 And so a lot of guys do not want to go to the military and I do not blame them for that. Um, but if you are a student, you don't go, you know, until you are not a student anymore, right? Ah. So if there are some, you know, so guys who have the smarts, they would be a, you know, a student for five years, getting their bachelor's or master's degree, six years. And then they may apply for doctorate degrees and do another, you know, five years of the doctorate, and by then they're 28 or older. And so this way they avoid <clears throat> going to the military. So the professors, when they see, you know, smart guys who want to pursue academic career, they do help them. And and there is also a bias that, of course, math is not for girls, technical studies are not for girls, um, but would they, they would often prefer to keep the male students because wow. female students can just go get married and have kids.
1: Wow. And so, Ksenia, having, having experienced this culture, um, and these mindsets, how do you feel about it being an extraordinarily successful woman in math and computer science?
0: I feel sad for my country. Hmm. Mhm. Right? Yeah. Like that's that's uh, after that, I said, "Um, okay, I'm gonna go apply somewhere else." And I went and applied. <laughs> I went and found a scholarship that would pay for my studies in the United States. I'm like, well, that's your loss.
1: <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. You know, um, when I think about experts in the areas of Static analysis, and frankly, in many technical software security areas, you know I can recognize that this is very advanced work. Um, I'm curious to understand what kinds of things are you focused on these days in your research.
0: So, at work, I work um, for the research team that works for the statical, static analysis tool Coverity. And I'm leading a group who is developing the rules, the static analysis rules for different languages and different frameworks um, for the coverage tool. Cool. So, yeah, what we do is we pick up a new language, whatever is trending, whatever our clients need, whatever we don't have anymore uh, right right now. And we study that language, the frameworks, the libraries that the language use and look for security for potential security mistakes that developers would make. I wouldn't call them vulnerabilities because they will they become vulnerabilities when they are implemented in the code and they can be attacked. But we, and then we create the rules for the tools so that we can automatically find those places, um, where developers would make those mistakes and suggest, you know, the fixes, trying to make the code more secure and more,
1: more protected. Fantastic. So we have gotten to the part of the podcast. I have enjoyed this whole thing and I'm also so excited to learn more about your PhD. You have so much academic experience. Why did you choose to do a PhD? um, And how did you decide to go about doing it? I would love
0: to hear the whole PhD story. (laughs) Yeah. So um, after I was kind of quickly rejected in Russia, right, (laughs) to do a a postgraduate studies, I applied I think I first applied to do a PhD in the United States. I got accepted. I did not get the funding. Then the next year, I found the scholarship, as I mentioned, to do a master's degree that would be fully funded. Uh, that was called a Fulbright scholarship. It was a student exchange program. So thank you, the U.S. government sponsoring that. Um, and I came here and did my master's. And I, you know, I always liked doing research. And at some point in the middle of my, they use my master's studies, one of my professors said, Professor Choi, she said, you know, have you ever thought of doing a PhD? Like, I think you can do that. (laughs) And it was so funny because, you know, the year before I got accepted, but then I did not get the funding. And I was like, well, I, you know, I, I kind of lost interest after that. Um, but then I thought more about it and I always had that passion. And, I, and then I had the internship. I was ready to go into the workforce. So I didn't want to go back and be a student for another five years and live the PhD student life. Um, so I decided to do it part time. And that's why it took me a very long time but I was working full-time. I was taking one class at a time, and then I started doing my research. You know, I got married. I had two kids through this whole journey. And after my second child was born, a month later, I finally defended my thesis, my, my dissertation.
1: It's incredible. And can you tell us about your dissertation?
0: Yes. Um My dissertation is actually in... Similar things that I do for work, it's in security, security of JavaScript, and specifically the impact of frameworks on security of JavaScript applications.
1: Incredible. Absolutely incredible. Ksenia, thank you so, so much for joining me and joining us today. Uh, it is always a pleasure for me to speak with you. I remember the time when your family was in San Francisco and we got to be together for a little while. Um, I, I sincerely hope that uh, as the world opens back up, one of these days, you and I will find each other uh, in the same city once again, maybe for one security conference or another. Um, I'm so looking forward to that day. And thank you so, so much for joining me.
0: Me too. It's It was such a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much, Caroline.
1: Humans of InfoSec. Is brought to you by Cobalt, a pentest as a service company. You can find us on Twitter at humans of infosec.